Um, good morning, everyone. Um, I'm going to do a little introduction for the song, but uh, my name is Larry. Um, I'm a member of Wellspring Church with the Body of Christ, and thanks for the privilege to Pastor Rebecca, Cheryl, Pastor Pat, and Pastor Dan for the privilege to share the Word of God with you. Uh, rather than a prayer this morning, um, I'd like to begin with a, one of my favorite songs. Uh, all of you should know it if you attended Sunday school. If you did not, just mimic it, okay? It's fine. The song is Jesus Loves Me, and I put Pastor Rebecca to work. I said, can you play it, Pastor Rebecca? So let's sing it together, and Rebecca can lead us together. Jesus loves me. Thank you. I saw everyone singing, and it's good to see you live. And those in Zoom land, I heard you singing too, so thank you. So this morning, um, the message uh, that I was excited about comes from the New Testament, from John chapter 19, verses 20 to 30, and it's entitled, It Is Finished. For those of you who have your iPhones or your Bible, you can turn to that, and we're going to have a contest at the end to memorize those two verses, and you have a trip to Zippy's at the end if you memorize everything. So the verse goes in John 19, 28 to 30, and this is in context of the death of Jesus hanging on the cross, and, um, and so it goes. Later, knowing that everything has now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So powerful to see this image of Jesus on the cross, yet suffering, but bowing his head, before saying that, it is finished, bow his head and gave up his spirit. That excites me, and that also saddened me first. But what makes this exclamation truly unique is the Greek tense that Jesus used. You see, verb tenses used in Greek are most important uh, for communicating part of the Greek language. And this is also sometimes necessarily lost in translation. But Jesus speaks in the perfect tense. So what tense is he speaking in, class, gang? Perfect tense. It's not the perfect storm, okay? Let me explain the perfect tense. It's very rare and used in the New Testament. The perfect tense is a combination of two tenses. The first tense on my left is the aerostense. And the aerostense 
basically means it happens at a specific time in mo- a specific time, a moment. It just happens in a specific time, a moment. The present tense is linear. It means that something that continues on into the future and has ongoing results. So the present tense is linear. It technically means that it continues on into the future and has ongoing results and implications. I like that. No, 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 no. I love that. And the combination of these two tenses, when they come together in John 19.30, is of overwhelming significance for Christians. When Jesus says it is finished or completed, when what he actually is saying, it is finished and will continue to be finished. It is finished and will be continued to be finished. Imagine all the different finish points in sending men to the moon and back to the, in the late 1960s. The design was finished. The training was finished. The launch was finished. The moonwalk was finished. The return was finished. It took many finishes for the whole project to be finished. And so it was the work of Christ. When he came to secure mankind's redemption, the cross, the resurrection, and the ascension, on the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. Referring to his death for our sins. He had said earlier that his mission was to finish the Father's work. John chapter, three, verses, uh, John chapter 4, verses 34. But his death would have been incomplete without the resurrection. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 14, and verse 17. And the final finish in Christ's work when he ascended to heaven 40 days after the resurrection, Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, he came on earth, he completed the Father's work, and he returned to the Father in heaven. Now the question this morning, my brothers and my sisters and fellow sojourners, Do we need to do anything? Do we need to do anything? Nothing remains to be done to secure our redemption for eternity. Nothing except for us to believe and embrace this gift. Francis Schaeffer speaks about this. He says, nothing needs to be added to Christ's finished work. And nothing can be added to Christ's finished work. As long as God leaves you and I here on this earth, he has ongoing work for you and I. There's no expiration date to this message. You never retire from the Christian life. You never drop out of God's will. There are countless barriers. Yeah, there's there's choke barriers, as my students would say. Men and women, but we are encouraged to finish well. Finish well, you have to stay focused till you're finished. One of the greatest finishers of the Bible, his name was Solomon. That's King David's son. I'm sharing a list from one of the preachers I really like is Dr. David Jeremiah for all the references associated with Solomon's finishing. He did the research. I just read it to encourage you and I. And it's an assignment to build God's house. It's interesting just how one little word can escape you and it can mean everything. 
Solomon was not only a finisher, he was a total, complete, absolute finisher. And I want you to notice this as I run through the scriptures together. Numbers 1, 1 Kings 6.22. He finished all the temple. Numbers 6.38. The house was finished in all of its details according to all of its plans. 7.51. So all the work that Solomon had done for the house of the Lord was finished. 2 Chronicles 5.1. 2 Chronicles 7.11 says, Solomon successfully accomplished all that came into his heart to make in the house of the Lord. When he came to building God's temple in Jerusalem, Solomon finished it all. He left nothing undone, and that's because, I believe, his father prayed him into this environment. Okay? And listen to David's prayer and his challenge to Solomon before David walked off the scene and Solomon took over. First Chronicles 28, 20 says, Be strong, Solomon, and of good courage, and do it. Do not fear nor be dismayed, for the Lord God, my God, he will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you until you have finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. Solomon can say it is finished only with God's help. Let's look at the one who obeyed finishing God's work on the cross as God-man, as Jesus the Christ, as also God. Point number one that we can go in your notes today, if you got your notes. None but Jesus can say, and you can say with me, it is finished. It is finished. That's point number one. Before the arrest of Jesus by the Romans, it's in your notes, Jesus prayed his last public prayer where he asked the Father to glorify him even as he had glorified the Father. He prayed to finish the work you had given to me to do, John 17, 4. It continues in the book of Luke 19, 10. What was the work of Jesus is to seek and save that which is lost and to provide atonement for us sinners whom Jesus died for, for to reconcile them to God. Romans 3, 23, 25, 2 Corinthians 5, 18, 19. It's all there for you to review for this specific point. None but the Lord God could accomplish and say with the authority of the God-man, it is finished. John 19.30. Another important point that I want to bring across is to look at Christ's suffering. When we look at the cross and you see in the back of me, he's hanging there and Easter they preach all the details of his hanging, his breathing, and the piercing of his side. I want to focus on little snippets from scripture and, and, and how it points to his suffering in the book of Isaiah chapter 53. The snippet is man of sorrows acquainted with grief. He lived in the shadow of the cross. At beginning of public ministry in Cana, he said, my hour. He spoke to Nicodemus, son of man must be lifted up. spoke to the disciples of the cup he must drink. When Peter confessed, thou art the Messiah, Moses and Elijah 
spoke with him about his death in Jerusalem. He agonized as he faced the cross. Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass. Being in agony, he sweat as if there were great drops of blood. When Peter drew his sword to defend, he said, The cup that the Father hath given to me, shall I not drink it? Now the cup is drained. He'll never suffer again, once for all. Never again will he be forsaken by the Father. It is finished. So powerful. And for us, life eternal with Jesus. That he goes to the second point, that what Jesus did is the, Jesus is the fulfillment of prophecy. You can write down the fulfillment of prophecy. When Jesus said it is finished in John 19.30 with the perfect tense, he brought about the completion of the Old Testament prophecies, the symbols, and the foreshadowing about himself. It goes from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Malachi. There are about 300 detailed prophecies about the anointed. And it goes all the way to Zechariah. And it's in the New Testament, Old Testament and New Testament. But about Jesus, which are fulfilled by him from the seed who would crush the serpent's head, Genesis 3.15, to the suffering servant in Isaiah 53. The first recorded words of Jesus when he was 12 years old, did you know I must be about my father's business? In Samaria, he said to his disciples, my need is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. And Jesus said to the Jews, the works that the Father has given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me. The prophecies of his death were now accomplished. Let's look at these snippets, these little sayings. He was despised and rejected by men. Remember that in Isaiah 53, verse 3. He was betrayed by a friend and forsaken by his disciples. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. We see the piercing of his hands and his feet. And he was numbered with the transgressors in his death. That one got me. I had to look it up. And thank God for Google. Okay? It is his willingness to identify with us and suffer for our transgressions, our sins. It was Christ looking at you and me and saying, I identify with that. This is my suffering, and my suffering must be completed because I love you, period. Isn't that so powerful? Isn't that so awesome? His willingness to identify. So the third point this morning, as you write down, it is finished challenges us to not only love God, and, but also to love people. Okay? It is finished, challenges us to not only love God, but to love people. This, this one, number three, when I wrote it on Saturday evening, <laughs> before I sent it to Rebecca, good confession. I, I don't know how your pastors do it right on the money, but uh, procrastination is my best friend. So, here it goes. This is a tough ongoing challenge for me. It is not only that we accept the salvation and the fulfillment of the prophecies, but because the Holy Spirit 
indwells in us, we have the power to tell everyone about the benefits about what Jesus has done. Every believer I know goes through the struggle and suffering, but scriptures tell us that suffering is for doing good. And that means loving others in our daily relationships, in the household, at work, even in the supermarket if somebody cut in line of you, in businesses, as well as hospitals and etc. My personal take on this is a struggle for me that's been perpetual. I deal with my own family members, immediate and extended. I love them, but I have challenges. I know the scriptures, and yet I struggle with forgiving. I got to put this one in, forgetting, and even connecting with individuals who have hurt me. But God continues to say this too. It is finished. With my son's unconditional love in forgiving each of us of our sins, as far as the east is from the west, but in our struggles of suffering, this loving others is doing good in God's eyes. The second part of the perfect tense I mentioned is where the present tense kicks in. When Jesus says it is finished or completed, what he actually is saying, it is finished and will be continued to be finished. I forgive today and the situation comes back again. Forgive again here on earth as it will be in heaven. That's an exercise. We're preparing here on earth as what we will experience that total forgiveness will be in heaven. The process is great. It's hard practice to keep doing it, but it prepares us for heaven. I, I found this verse with a coaching of my wife, 1 Peter chapter, uh, chapter 3, verses 8 to 12. And um, it goes like this. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from a deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Um, Jeannie, can you return back to the cross you know, in, in slide number one? Um, I'm just throwing it on her. Okay. If you look at the cross... There's the vertical relationship that you and I, when we accept Christ for the salvation, that we look to God. And loving God, we work at it. We have our songs. We have our daily devotions. We have prayers. We have small groups. And the list goes on. That's the vertical relationship with God. Then when we see the horizontal, the horizontal as an educator is the EQ, the emotional quotient for me is how we relate to one another. And even in a family of God and your immediate family, there's going to be this word called friction, conflict, and etc. But how we deal with it is going to deal with the process of our maturity, how we learn to forgive, how we learn to accept each other for who we are. And with the power of the cross, 
that Christ has given to us, how are we going to love, continue to love, no matter what, as it happens again, or one professor said, again and again. So I have to go, local boy, again and again. Okay? So the vertical part of the cross shows our relationship with Jesus. However, it's not just enough to love Jesus. The horizontal part of the cross represents our relationship with each other. While Jesus on earth, he loved people unconditionally, from the prostitute to the taxpayer. And as a result, he finished the work on the cross, loving you and me and the world. And he gives in John chapter 13, 34 and 35. This is a powerful verse that echoes in my mind daily. A new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And I like to share a li little stories that I found from one of my professor friends in psychology. He just sent me this. And he just said, here are some realistic short verbs about loving each other. Loving one another in the past. Okay, past. Today... After my 72-hour shift at the fire station, a woman ran up to me at the grocery store and gave me a big hug. When I tensed up, she realized I didn't recognize her. She let go with tears of joy in her eyes and the most sincere smile and said, On 9-11-2001, you carried me out of the World Trade Center. And for those of you who love pets, pets are really angels from God. That's my theological definition, so you can condemn me later, but most of you will agree. Today, after I watched my dog get run over by a car, I sat on the side of the road holding him and crying. And just before he died, he licked the tears off my face. For our families, today as my father, three brothers, and two sisters stood around my mother's hospital bed, my mother uttered her last coherent words. Before she died, she simply said, I feel so loved now. We should have gotten together like this more often. Loving intentionally. Today I was feeling down because the results of a biopsy came back malignant. When I got home, I opened an email that said, Thinking of you today, if you need me, I'm a phone call away. It was from a high school friend I had not seen for 10 years. Loving around the world. Today I was traveling in Kenya and I met a refugee from Zimbabwe. He said he hadn't eaten anything in over three days and looked very extremely skinny and unhealthy. Then my friend offered him the rest of the sandwich he was eating. The first thing the man said, we can share it. We can share it. Simple acts of kindness are good. And it does not have to be big acts of kindness. Always remember that no matter if it's big or small, God is with you doing it. This is the power of the cross, doing it through you. Jesus' act, completed act on the cross, yet today, continues through you and me to do what we are called to do. And really... I, I came off this and I said to my wife, I just got to get off me. More of him, less of me. More of him, less of me. 
We know that Jesus is the eternal finisher. However, we have to finish it all. We don't get to stop part of the way. Most of the way doesn't work. Almost all the way isn't enough. God wants to finish it all. Be a Solomon. Imitate Jesus. Don't say, well, I'm almost there, and then you walk away, and you leave it not quite done. That's not anything more discouraging to you than to spend all your time and all your energy to get almost all the way and then walk away before you get done. But here's a couple of verses that I found very encouraging. Psalms 92 says this, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. Those of you who are retiring, no, that's part of it. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Isaiah 46 verse 4 says, Even to your old age, I am he, and even to the gray hairs, I will, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear you, even I will carry you and deliver you. Um, right now, as I've been sharing those three points, I want us to watch a video. And I, I thought this was really neat. Some of you might have seen it. It's about someone helping someone to reach the finish line. Finish. So let's take a look at this video. Thanks, Pat. Thanks. I believe we know what we need to do to reach the finish line. To know that God loves us unconditionally. We know that the prophecies, the fulfillment of the prophecies have been made. And the daily challenge is that we not only love God, but we learn to love one another. Um, I just want to close in prayer with an invitation to those that are open with their hearts to the one that is giving us new life. So let's just pray together. Lord, we thank you for sacrificing for us and we look to the cross, the power. And if there's anyone here that's saying, I want that power. I want to be forgiven. I want to see you. I want new life in you. I want to live with you forever. And if there's in any person's heart to say yes to Jesus, and he will come to you, and he will fellowship with you as you open the door of your heart. And we thank you for our fellow believers here who continue to journey, who struggle, but yet with the power of the cross, continue to help each other to the finish line. And all of God's people said, 
Amen. Let's stand together and let's worship our God.